Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another interview here on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, my name is Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini. And today, I, this might be a first, I've actually got two guys uh, from the same band on the phone at the same time. Uh, so this is uh, th- this is going to be a real treat. Uh, formed in 1986 by core members Larry Grisham and Tommy Stillwell, the Beat Daddies have spent almost 30 years bringing their blend of American roots music to audiences around the world. With nine international CD releases, film and TV soundtrack credits, and countless shows in the U.S. and abroad, the Beat Daddies are a duo with an authentic American roots sound. Uh, they, the, the sound is blues, roots, rock. It's a great uh, mix. Um, it just basically kicks butt. Uh, welcome, Larry and Tommy. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Um, so why don't we uh, go back to the uh, uh, beginning here, and how did you guys uh, – how did you guys? Well, let me let me let me uh, clarify. Larry is uh, uh, primarily the, the the vocalist, and yes. Tommy's the guitarist, right? Larry, you play some uh, what? You play some harmonica? Yeah, I play harp and some rhythm guitar. But yeah. uh, and we've been writing together since we were like fifteen years old. So awesome, long awesome. time. Uh, like so, you're like musical soulmates. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So how did so? Um, uh, how did you guys get? Uh, how did you guys meet? How did you guys hook up? Uh, I was actually in high school. Larry had transferred to the school I was attending, and um, he went there primarily on basketball, and I was just on the team because that's all there was to do in that town. And <laughs> okay. we, we struck up a lasting friendship over the musical aspect of of uh, what was influencing uh, you know us at the time as as teenagers. What's your 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 thoughts, Larry? Yeah, I, I, I transferred schools to a smaller school in Kentucky. Tommy had lived there all his life. I, I had a, a, an actual gypsy existence as a child. This was my 16th school that I transferred to. Wow. And uh, I was all over the place, all over the country. I had the fortune of just getting to travel and see other parts of the world. And uh, Tommy was into music. I was into music, and uh, we were the only two in that small town that was into music. It seemed like, but it was just a natural attraction. And man, we spent a lot of time. Bless his heart. Uh, his mother had built a little building outside their house in the back, and that's where we spent all of our time. If we weren't playing basketball, we were playing music. Um. Now, the, uh, from what I understand, that the church and church music uh, factored into uh, your uh, early development there. You guys want to talk about that a little bit? Why don't you start, uh, yes. uh, Tom? Well, absolutely. Uh, I was actually, when I was very young, about six or seven years old, started playing drums, and that eventually led to me uh, playing drums for uh, ministers doing revivals and tent meetings and stuff in Pentecostal churches. I don't know how 
uh, how thorough your fundamental background is in religion, but in Kentucky, it's a very serious thing, and the music is a big part of it. And I would watch these ministers, uh, you know, a lot of them played guitar that, you know, and, and sang, and I would watch them as they were playing, and you'd see the reaction on, on the people in the congregation, which could get kind of intense at times. And uh, that's how I learned my first chords, was just watching these guys uh, play. And I also started out in, in the churches. My grandmother was a pianist, and we didn't have drums in our congregation, but she taught me things on the piano, and I was just so interested in music, and uh, I had uncles and everything that played. In fact, my grandmother's cousin was Merle Travis, and we uh-huh, lived in cool. Newberry County, Kentucky at that time. And uh, so I, was, I had music all around me as well. So, and, and I also started out as a drummer. The first band I was in, before I met Tommy, I was 12 years old, and I started playing drums. And uh, so it, it's kind of odd that we both started out as drummers. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> well, that's another uh, point of, uh, of something you guys have in common. Now, yes. beyond the church, um, yeah, and I understand, Tom, what you're talking about. I, uh, my upbringing was uh, somewhat similar. I backed mm. up a lot of uh, uh, preachers and stuff like that. We could talk about that another time. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know the scene. It's, yeah, and it, intense is a, uh, yeah, that's definitely a way of putting it. Um, so, but, but beyond... Um, the, uh, the the gospel thing, okay, and the, and the church and all that. Um, now, you guys haven't always been like a roots and blues sort of thing. You guys played more like pop rock for a while in, in the beginning. Is that true? Well, actually, in the beginning, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, late 60s, early 70s. A lot of the rock, and well, rock and roll on the radio at the time, I mean, was was blues artists or blues-based artists. Johnny Winter, The British Invasion, The Stones, heavily influenced by Muddy Waters, Hound right. Wolf. So, you know, it, it really, in the beginning, it was rock and roll. It was just good music. It wasn't blues. It wasn't this or that. It was just all good music. We played everything from Stones, Small Faces, Yardbirds, Cream. I mean, all, all that British Invasion things. Johnny Winter was a big influence. And, of course, because we started listening to that and, and was drawn to that, it made, also turned us on to the older guys like, uh, you know, Muddy Waters, Albert King, Buddy Guy, Charlie Christian, uh, T-Bone Walker. I mean, we started doing our research also, just like the British guys did. So there was a big influence from that. But at the same time, you realize that we were listening to everything from Buck Owens and uh, because he had a TV show on, which, you know, was religiously watched by in Kentucky by if he had a TV. But we also heard Elvis. <laughs> Hee Haw. Right? He was, he, was on, he, was, he, he, was on, he was He was heavily featured on Hee Haw as well, correct? Right, right. That yeah. came later. But at, at the time, he actually had a little show. He and Porter Wagner both, and Tommy and I, we, when we do our duo shows, we know a lot of old co- classic country songs that we'll break into, freak everybody out, and they go, why do you guys know that? And, they, and we tell them when we were very young, that that's what we were exposed to. We saw it on TV, and we just copy it. I mean, we just remember it off the top of our head. We were sponges. Wow. Yeah. Young and impressionable. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So you guys started. So you got you are you're sort of steeped then uh, in in blues in in roots music. Um, but when you actually started uh, working, let, let's 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 separate for a second. But I don't want to go there. Um, 
let's talk about your individual styles because first of all, Larry, uh, you have a very powerful voice. Um, it's very distinctive. Um, it's um, it, it's very um, what's the word? It's very full, very thick, and um, really kind of like dominates the, the sound. It's very cool. Um, very distinctive. How how did you develop that? Is that I mean you have you obviously have vocal influences. Right. Uh, to be quite honest, when we started to make to make a living at playing music, obviously we played a lot of cover material, and we had what was considered house gigs at different you know bars or nightclubs around the country. We'd go in and play five nights a week. It's just kind of like the story of the Beatles being in Ham- Hamburg, of uh, playing so many sets and learning so many songs. And at the time, I tried to sing like whoever we were covering. I wanted to sing like Burton Cummings in the guest suit. I wanted to sing like Rod Stewart. I wanted to sing like Mick Jagger. I wanted to sing like Paul or John. Uh, I wanted to sing like Robert Plant, you know, and tried to. And it was turned my voice up because I wasn't those guys. And eventually I learned just to sing it the way that I would naturally sing. And I think it developed from that, and I finally realized that I did have, you know, a, a distinctive, more powerful voice. And and just do it my own way, and it developed from that. And of course, I was a big Elvis fan. Our harmonies, we were big Everly Brothers fans. And Tommy and I just naturally we can sing, and we switch parts like the Everly Brothers do because he knows I'm going to try to follow the melody, but then go sometimes switch the high part. And we just instinctively we know that we have a great great musical connection that way. Playing since you were 15, I imagine you would. Now, <laughs> Tommy, talk a little bit about your guitar, um, uh, your guitar work, because um, one of the some of the accolades that that you guys have about your sound is um, Tommy's uh, like sort of distinctive guitar sound and um, okay. his playing. And you're and I've wa- I watched some of your uh, uh, YouTube videos, and even on those like silly you know fan videos with somebody shooting with a cell phone you guys do come across as like it like again really powerful uh, presence both you with the, with the vocals and with the, the guitar so talk a little bit about how you developed your uh, your guitar style tom well uh, my guitar style just progressed at, the more i was able to to learn uh of course i had the old uh, books when i was a kid it was doc watson people like that you know the old school pickers and uh, but then you know being influenced by uh, uh, the the pop scene, especially the British invasion. Of course, I started paying attention to Eric Clapton and started paying attention to to uh, Jeff Beck and guys in the Yardbirds, especially because of the guitar players that passed through there. And you right. do start out by uh, by learning the, the you know the stock licks and the records, and you you know you try to you try to copy that. But then at some point you have to break off and and. And, be, and develop your own style and feel. But it's always a sum of all the parts that you pick up uh, as you progress as a player. Uh, I'm, I'm still progressing to this day. I'll be throwing things in that, you know, I didn't necessarily know before simply because I've been open to a new style or a new, uh, you know, type of music or, or a player that I'd never seen or heard of before, and it just hits me that way. And that's, and that's how we progress. That's why I, I would like to think that when you listen to the record, you can hear something specific and go, wow, I know exactly where that came from, but he put such, you know, he put a different twist on it. Um, well, I, I mean, definitely with the, um, I mean, definitely have a, you know, obviously 
the blues guys are all in there. Um, but you definitely have your own sound, man. I mean, it's what you're doing is is very cool. Um, okay. So, so you know, yeah. So don't, yeah. You're not really. It doesn't. I don't hear any copy. But I do hear what you say in terms of uh, the sort of the melting pot that happens, just like Larry was talking about with with you know, trying to sing everything, you know. But kind of at the end, you're you, and that's all. Right. That's all. That's all you really can do. Well, yeah, and you know, I don't know uh, how thoroughly you've listened to the new record, but there's even I was telling um, a DJ in an interview the other day here locally. Uh, there was a slide solo in a song called Hoodoo Woman, and uh, it was, you know, he said it was very interesting, you know, never quite heard anything like that in, in a in a song, in a blues song, and I actually got the influence from an old Warner Brothers cartoon featuring Porky Pig and Sylvester the Cat. <laughs> it's cool. true story. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So just that uh, feel and that tone, uh, yeah, was what the the cartoon was about. It had that eerie kind of yeah sound to it, and and Tommy tried to you know think of that and copy it. And I think it's the coolest solo on the CD. It's really really neat. Well, I, I've 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 sort of taken a whirlwind tour in the like of uh, uh, just sort of discovered you guys a few days ago. Uh, so I took a kind of whirlwind tour of some of your past records and some of your. Uh, in your in your new record and um, like I've, um, the, we're not from Clarksdale. H- how long yeah. ago was how long ago was that? Was that a while ago? That was 1992. Oh, that, uh, that was because okay. there's like horns on that. And I think that was the first one I started with. So your sound has kind of evolved. It seems like you guys have like uh, played around with you know experimented with different sounds. And how, how is that like intentional or is it just sort of like on this record we think we want to do this or on this record we want to do that? How does that come about? Well, uh, the No Read from Clarksdale and, and the follow-up, uh, South of Mississippi, were both done for a Malico subsidiary label called Waldoxy out of Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And they were recorded at Muscle Shoals Sound Studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And so we had, you know, a, the producer had at his disposal the Muscle Shoals horns, uh, the Swampers rhythm section, and so, you know, we that did open some doors, uh, and, you know, the producer had more say-so than we did on what, you know, was heard on the record. So that's where the horns and all that stuff comes from. I mean, we didn't write any of the horn lines into those songs. Um, as time went by and, and things started becoming more in our control, uh, that's when you start hearing the... the uh, the projects that, that have a little more of, of how we feel the music is, you know, should be sounding. So, and that's not to say we won't have horns in the future. We write songs and, um, you know, it's not necessarily about 15 minute guitar solos. It's not necessarily about anything other than the song and the story. So we might write something where horns will be called for in the future. Well, if you have any history at all, uh, knowing any history of, of Malico record, they produced those first two records having us, uh, do the Malico sound, what we call. We mm-hmm. went in with the songs, doing it the way that we do it, just guitar and vocals primarily, maybe some harmonica, and they heard all this different. And, and they, they actually they had more artistic control, and actually we felt we loved the CDs. They were good CDs, but it didn't sound like us live. Tommy, they didn't really let Tommy go where he normally goes. They didn't let me really overpower with the vocals. In fact, some of those vocals were scratch tracks, and I wanted to redo them 
Uh, uh-huh. and all that, and they didn't want me to. They thought that was fine, and then they put a lot of backup singing and this and that. And once again, they were, they were good records. It just didn't sound like us. And that was the problem we realized as we were touring back then. People brought that up, and they actually told us we sounded better live. They thought, <laughs> man, we really loved your records. But when we first started hearing you live, we thought, well, that's not the band. But then once they heard us live, uh, there, there was more feeling and emotion and the way we wrote the song. So uh, there's like pros and cons to each of that. But as Tommy said, as we developed, we started having more artistic control. And in fact, after the third Malico record that we did, we pretty much started producing ourselves. So uh, that's how we've gotten to the point where we are now. And they, they do sound a little different, but it, it, like Tommy said, still us, we write. We write for everybody. We've had cuts from other people, and we keep other people in mind when we're writing. I mean, we're able to write, uh, you know, country things. Uh, we're doing parodies of other songs, trying to be, trying to get on the, the comedy side of it sometimes. But we really, like, enjoy the creative process of writing. Yeah, and you have to realize that those early records were uh, produced and recorded by a record company. We were on the labels, you know, with, with people like Johnny Taylor, Little Milton, Bobby Blueland, Denise LaSalle, Rush. Uh, Bobby Rush. So they were getting that sound. That's that's the roadmap that they had before them. And, and when we signed with them, that's kind of the road we went yeah. down. Um, <clears throat> because you're, the sound that I'm hearing on your latest record is more like I don't uh, like more bare bones, you know, more, you know, guitar based drums. Um, uh, and, and it's, it's very cool. I, it's very, um, I, I don't know. It's like kind of like a back to basics. With the first song on the, uh, on the record, I, I was, uh, these chains, you know, mm-hmm. that, that sort of like sets up, you know, the sort of vibe and feel of it. I mean, um, and I was just sort of like, kind of drawn, sort of, you're very interested in how you've, you've progressed. That makes a lot of sense that you had other people who were kind of like, you know, sort of controlling the creative process. Um, when you guys um, produce yourselves, now, you actually you actually do the producer, uh, production yourself. You don't bring an outside producer? No, no. We're doing it all ourselves. And how is that, like, I mean, because I was, I, cause I've talked to different artists and some of them say, oh, well, I'm so glad that so-and-so is producing because I don't have to think about it. But you guys seem to have the sort of, like, other side where you, you enjoy this creative freedom. Well, it, I think it's because of the fact that we have such a strong musical connection. And if Tommy's doing a lot of the engineering and producing on this last one. In fact, he, he produced it, more or less. But he has me to play off of. And we trust each other uh, enough to say, hey, well, you know, how about this or how about that and change it. So it it, it gives us that freedom of of uh, still being our own producers and but still having more than one mind just doing it. Whereas before, if, if, if we were in the studio with a so-called producer that was hired to produce it, you pretty much are stuck with his way. I mean, he may ask you something, but uh, most of the time, there's an old producer's joke, you know, what do you think? Well, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, but Tommy and I are like that. We've known each other and I say, hey, uh, no, that's, that's not it. We can do better than that or let's let's change this or whatever. And yeah, it's very confident. Out very well. like yeah. In fact, our, our uh, Five Moon CD won a belt, uh, got in the final five in the, in the top uh, IBC, in the top five in the world. I mean, it made all the cuts down to the final five. 
uh, we didn't win, but they didn't tell us what place we came in, but that was quite an achievement. In fact, we won a Blues Award that year from the state of Kentucky, and we were made Kentucky Colonels, which is a big deal in Kentucky. The governor, you know, issued that, and, and, and it, 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 you know, it was a really good thing, and that made us realize that we can do all this on our own and uh, and have some success with it. Well, we can do all this on our own uh, as long as there's guys like you out there right. who, who hear it, appreciate it, and try to get it out to the people. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I pre- thanks. appreciate that. Now, um, how do you guys write? Now, because you, you both write, do you, is, it, is it always collaborative, or, do you, or does Tommy come sometimes with something and you sing it, or does Larry come and say, and then Tommy plays it? Like, how, how do you guys never, work? Never a formula. You, you hit it. You've covered all of it right there and more. I mean, it, it happens that way of everything. We might both come up. Uh, we might be in the van traveling at the same time with each other and go, oh, man, that's an idea for a song, and we hit it on the same. Or it might be something that Tommy just completely comes up with himself or I've come up with myself, and we may collaborate on it or we may want changes or embellish it or help each other. Or I may tell Tommy, oh, Tommy, that's it. That's you know, you've got it. There's nothing we can do to make it any better. Let's just cut it like that. Or he may say that to me about something. It's 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 just uh, never a formula. Never. I think I think there's a sense of, of energy and spontaneity on this record because a lot of the material was written as the recording was going down. Um, we would have several songs uh, in the can uh, and then Larry would send me a set of lyrics and go, here's an idea. And, uh, you know, there'd be no melody. And I would sit here and, and, and rearrange the lyrics. And, I mean, because Larry would write a novel. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll break it down to three or four verses, uh, find something that he's written that we can use as a bridge. And then I'll write the music and melody to it. And Larry literally will not know how the, the vocal melody, the lines are going to go until he comes in to do the vocal tracks. Right. And so there's, there's where that uh, spontaneity and that spark is, is a lot of these songs that are on the, that record, uh, literally they were coming together as they were being laid down. And one day I was leaving the studio here and just said, Tommy, what do you think about this? And I played a little guitar lick. And he goes, yeah, let me think about that. And then that ended up being one of our stronger songs. So you just never know where it comes from, even though I'm not really a guitar player. You know, <laughs> I just had this idea in my head, and Tommy took it and ran with it, and, and then we said, well, what about this for vocals? And and we started both writing. Uh, that, was one, that was really a collaboration because we both started, you know, he'd write a line, maybe I'd write a line. We had different ideas for the lyric, and it, it came that way. So you never know. It's just, it's, it's just, inspiration and it's great to have such a a strong musical connection like this i think we're really blessed that um and people see it when people see us live they say man you guys act like you just read each other's minds sometimes well after 30 years <laughs> almost i mean you guys work like it sounds to me like you guys work like keith and mick and keith work i mean yeah. like it's not it's like it's like that kind of a brotherhood between the two of you and we find like Mick and Keith sometimes. I was too. just going to ask. I didn't know why you were asking about that. But, yeah, go ahead. If you want to jump in there on that. That's the whole thing. We, we grew up looking up to Mick and Keith, uh, John and Paul, or uh, uh, Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey. And, you know, and none of those relationships ever worked without its hitches. I mean, it was on. Yeah. Even brother's type. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so you guys did have a period, though, where you did part ways for a while. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, it was um, early 90s. We, we had done quite a bit. We'd been with the label for a while, and it just – things got to the point where I think Larry became uh, – had a desire to to move to a different area because you play an area for so long and you get to the point where like well we need to do something so uh, at at that point long story short Larry moved to Jackson Mississippi where the label that we were with at the time uh, was located and went to work for them I stayed in this area and just continued to pursue you know things locally and and I had a family and you know just. Uh, kept kept my career going as I could without really getting my feet too far out of the tri-state area. And then Larry can pick it up from there. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to not only work with the label a little bit, but I ran into a bunch of players down on the coast who knew of the band, and I was getting calls for the band. So I kept the name of Beat Daddies, and we actually were fortunate enough to tour Japan, Europe, and all that. And uh, take a little bit further, we did, uh, I think, what a three CDs, three or four CDs, and uh, kept the name going. All this time, Tommy and I stayed in contact quite a bit. Uh, I'd come up and do a show with him once in a while up in this area. But, yeah, I was, I was getting – I just wanted to get away from this Midwest wastelands, as I called it back then, which, <laughs> you know, I, I just felt we, we had gone as far as we could go here. We had the bus the whole bit. The bus was nickel and diamond us to death. We had a 40-foot silver eagle. thought that was the way to travel, and and uh, it just ate us up. And we weren't making, uh, you know, we were working but not making that much money. We had a road crew the whole bit. And I thought, man, it's time to downsize, move away, and just maybe, you know, take a hiatus for a while and just see what happens, maybe just concentrate on writing. I thought I was going to be able to do that with the record label there, but it, as I said, I was getting all these calls for the band, and I put together a decent band, and, uh, you know, those guys stayed with me for almost 11 years doing it. Uh, but in the meantime, we stayed in contact. Uh, long story short, Katrina hit in 05, right where I was living, past Christian, Mississippi. That's where it hit. Uh, people always say, oh, you were in New Orleans, huh? got flooded. No, I was right where it hit, wiped everything out. Fortunately, I was on the road, and... Uh, I lost everything, of course, like all my recording equipment and guitars and, and personal oh, things and all that. But I lived in a FEMA trailer for a short time, but that got old real quick, and, and the coast was drying up. Had to start all over again. All the casinos where we were playing, all the venues were wiped out. And by staying in contact with Tommy, he had signed with a, a publishing company in Nashville and was doing some session things for them. They said, man, why don't you come back up this area and we'll just see, you know, if we can pick up a little bit and see what happens. And that's what I did. And then things just started developing and naturally ran right back into us writing and recording and becoming uh, very popular in this area again. We are traveling quite a quite a bit, but not near as far as we used to because it's just not feasible anymore. We're working a lot. Tommy and I work five nights a week playing music, uh, have been all, all summer long. It, we... In fact, we've worked ourselves to death a little bit, but you have to work to put food on the table a right. day, you know, and, and that's all we do. We, You know, we don't have a day job or anything. Tommy is talented enough to, and sought after enough that Tommy actually can, you know, set in and sub guitar-wise and, and other bands, but a big thing is he's, he's making money producing other people's 
he's got a couple projects he's producing for other people now uh, with his little studio here. So uh, everything, you know, everything's kind of fell back into place how it was, but uh, we're older and hopefully wiser, and we're making some uh, better choices, we hope, or learning as we go along. You guys have had such a ride. I mean, you've done so much stuff. You know, the, it's a great story. You know, the apart. You know, for was you guys were apart for eleven years. Is that is that how long yeah. it was? Yeah, about eleven years. Yeah. Jeez, and, and like you get right back together, like you know, it was just yesterday, and you, right. you're, you're doing music again. The, the new record is absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, thank you. It, oh, it is really good. I've listened to it over. To who, who do that? We do. Great title, great title. Um, what's 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 the what do you guys want to do next? Like, where where do you want to go? What's the future? What's your sort of future plans for uh, for you, for the Beat Daddies? Well, with with the new record being out, we're, we're hoping that it'll be uh, well received enough to the point where maybe we can start expanding uh, our our fan base, and uh, you know, we would like to hit some festivals in some other parts of the country. Uh, we have gone out and, and done some festivals in the past, but you know that was to us that was decades ago. Uh, we would like to get back into that. I could see uh, we've got a, a strong uh, fan base now in um, in Central Europe. I, I would like to see us try to get over there to festivals in Europe. Um, festivals and listening rooms are what we're primarily after because I mean let's face it to make a living as I said earlier we're working five nights a week but we're jukebox to some people i mean we uh we do a lot of cover material we we do our original stuff also but to make money a lot of these places and and people they want to hear the stuff they're familiar with and and we're fortunate enough we were sponges we we still remember all these old classic songs be it country or pop or or, you know, soul, R&B, Motown stuff. I mean, we can play just about anything. So we're, we're actually about four bands in one. I mean, we can do anything. But our what we really like to do is to go out. I mean, we think about it. We've got nine CDs out. We could do we could do a five a five hour show and do all original stuff and and, and be different. But but we want to do the festivals, the listening rooms, but the the bigger, more exposure type festivals. Uh, you know, man, we'd love to do like Telluride here in the States or uh, out on the West Coast again. Like Tommy said, we've, we've played some of those things years and years ago, but uh, we want to get back uh, where we feel like we're at that age now. We really enjoy it, and, and we've learned some things. And, and we, too, again, thanks to people like you that get the word out, I think this is a really good CD. Not bragging. I just I just think it's different, and, and, and it's it, it's it's going to get us somewhere. I hope it's kick ass. It it, it is you. really good. Uh, we do a we do a we have a I do a, we do a music version of our podcast, and we're going to be we're going to play it um, and tell Great. everybody about you guys. Um, so, is there anything? Um, what would you guys like to plug? I mean, Tommy you, uh, says you're working on. Uh, you produce some other artists. You can talk about that if you want. Anything you guys would like to plug? Go ahead. Well, right now I'm, I'm in uh, the middle of producing uh, an artist here locally named Jonas Cowan. Uh, you'll be seeing uh, his CD probably come out in the next few months. I, I think it's going to be called uh, or titled uh, uh, Long Way Home. And uh, it, Jonas is a really stripped-down, rootsy player, but we're, we're trying to it's, – it's got that same uh, eclectic – collection of, of influences. His dad was also a minister in the church. 
And so uh, he, he, you can hear everything from uh, from Johnny Winter influences to Freddie King in this new recording. And and so I'm I'm really looking forward to getting that out. Uh, but also, you know, starting in on on our next project. Uh, it, it's kind of weird trying to sandwich your own band in between all these other projects. But you know, uh, I will definitely find time to do that for sure. Yeah, we've already written. We've got a few songs in the can and and for this next project coming up and and just constantly uh trying to tweak and continue with, with new things and 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 yet here we are still promoting the hoodoo that we do, so uh that seems a little strange at times because we kinda forget which which project we're working on. <laughs> but but that's great, man. We feel blessed that we get to play music for a living and, and share our music and write and 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 share all this with people. And we feel that's what it's about. Well, congratulations. I really can't wait to hear what you guys come up with next. Everybody can go to thebeatdaddies.com and uh, all the information about shows you have coming up and uh, links to where you can go get the CD and all the happy stuff is is there. Um, Any final thoughts? Anything you guys want to add before we uh, let you go? Because if you work at five nights a week, I'm sure you're busy. (laughs) Yeah, that's an understatement. But uh, once again, I I can't stress personally – how much we appreciate guys like you out there uh, getting these things out, uh, not only us, but other artists like us. And it, I think that's the kind of attitude that's going to breed uh, a fresh music scene, the indie blues music scene, if you will. And uh, we just, we really, truly appreciate it. Very much so. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, you guys uh, keep rocking and uh, we will keep listening. You guys have a great night and I will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, guys.